Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Did you know that we were official, Shelly Moo? Deja vu. No. No. It's true, though. We are. We're official. Hope we don't lose that status. <laughs> no, right? Is that, like, we're going to lose that check fan mark. voted or something? Well, I'm Greg Tito, and I'm here to tell you that it, we will always be official. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, we are going to do it. We're I doing like it. it. Uh, today, we're going to talk to Trent Oster. Yes. Uh, 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 I'm not sure if he's president and CEO, but I'm going to give him all the titles Let's of Beamdog. Let's throw all at Adam. He, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and Canadian. He's also a Canadian. Yes. That's true. Uh, Beamdog is the company that makes uh, amazing enhanced editions of uh, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2. Uh, and uh, they got something really excited that they're going to talk about. That is he he's going to announce about. something or is it? No, it's been announced already, but he's going to talk more about it. Maybe maybe he has a uh, uh, an actual release date to announce because it's Ooh. coming very soon. It's going to be very exciting. Okay, good. Neverwinter's Nights. Oh, I've heard of that. I put an S in there that was yep. not actually in there. Yep, Neverwinter Nights. Yep. Enhanced Edition is coming out. Well, yeah. the people have to be rather pleased about this, they, I would imagine. They are uh, clacking all their happy clackers. Because everybody always talks about never. Like whenever you talk about D and D, and someone's like, "Oh, I used to play Neverwinter Nights." Exactly. Yeah, it was heard this, that a lot. It was this uh, seminal game, uh, you know, not too long ago. I mean, we're at the point now we're getting a little bit uh, further along in in my evolution. I think it was like two. Maybe Trent will tell us exactly when it came out for the first time because he was. I think he was on the team that made it. Will we know what makes it enhanced? Yes. The enhancements. These are all the questions that we're going to ask Trent well, in a little bit before we get to other fun things that uh, we are going to talk about, which is, uh, what are we talking about? What's going on here in the Dungeons & Dragons when, world that what, we want to what discuss? What time span are we in right now? Uh, it's like, December. It's still in December, so happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Have you had eggnog yet this season? I have not had eggnog, but we did go to see uh, the uh, Holiday Inn at Fifth Avenue in Seattle. Oh, this how weekend. was that? It was a, um, a musical that was set in the 50s. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there was a lot of uh, musicaliness. Joyous singing? Yeah. And I'm not one of those people who, you know, uh, hates on musicals. I like musicals. Clearly. But I, there are some that I'm like, eh, eh it's just, you know, yeah, doesn't really do it for me. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So it's one of those. I mean, it definitely had funny moments and good singing parts of it. But at the end, I was just kind of like, eh, that's a musical. Meh. Yeah. This is why people don't like musicals. Because I was like, oh, that's why. Too much singing. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. why don't we some oh, new? so much music. Make some new holiday musicals out there, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that's why... Shelly and I are also going to announce our rock musical. Uh, holiday musical? Holiday Notes and In. Oh. It's, it's going to be a yeah. jukebox musical yeah. of Holiday's yeah. Christmas songs. Can we hear some Holiday Notes? Can you put that in there? No, do not they put do it in there. They do a really no, good no. Jingle Bell Rock. I'm going to ixnay on the. <laughs> we are not doing it. Uh, so. <laughs> There's rights, I asked there's, for nothing. There's rights issues Seven that might seconds. be involved. You can play. Okay, all right. That is that is true. You can Technically, put, if you're providing commentary, you can play the whole song. I oh, guess you're right. Paul and Oates, Christmas. What is that called when it's a transformative art uh, you know, act? I ask you for nothing, ever. <laughs> Have I ever? Have I ever made any demands? And I put rules down. I put, uh, no, that shall not be happening. Mostly because I want to get to our guest. I oh, want yeah. to talk to Trent. Let's talk to him. He's got lots of things going on. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, real quick, uh, Xanathar's got everything is uh, a good uh, it's number one on the bestseller list. It's number one on the bestseller list. Really fun stuff. Uh, there's Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's out there. It's doing amazing stuff. Uh, there's also something called Twitched Plays. 
Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. I don't want to go too much into it, but it is a thing that you should all look at, and it's going to be amazing. So just throwing those things out there, as well as Tales from Candlekeep has been an amazing game that I've been playing. I played it all weekend long. Really? Yeah. And I still, in between musicals? In between the musicals. <laughs> it's very tough. Uh, but it's, it's, it's doing really great out there, and I think uh, I heard uh, coming down the pipe it might be on a Steam sale. Wow. Uh, so uh, those of you who are waiting for that uh, December wow. 22nd, clock to turn around, uh, you, you might be able to get it uh, uh, on the cheap, as they say. And you should all be putting Betrayal at Baldur's Gate on your holiday wish list, because other people have, like Boing Boing and IGN and oh, USA Today. Hmm. Hmm. You Best might have heard board games. You might have heard at least like two of those publications. Maybe one. But all three? Do you think people have heard of all three of those publications? Yes. Yeah. Boing Boing? <laughs> I'm just teasing. Oh, you mean USA Today? Yeah, no, that's 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 the, that's the yellow rag that people are like. What is this? I don't even. <laughs> nobody delivers USA Today anymore to hotel rooms. Us Weekly. <laughs> Us Weekly. <laughs> you go on an Us Weekly list. And that would be like the biggest coup of my life. Yeah, you're like, finally, I've made it. The Real Housewives are playing it. Love it. Oh yeah, they the Real they betray each other all the time. <laughs> they do. They play it in real life. How come you're not doing this? You should be going to all of those Real Housewives right now and be like, you should all be playing Betrayal Legacy. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Betrayal. Your le- you, your legacy my, is one of betrayal. When you said that, I was just like, oh, he said it. Oh, but I forgot we already announced it. Oh, you got a little nerves. I really did. It's been yeah. like so long. If you don't know what we're talking about, look it up. Betrayal legacy is a thing. There's a lot of uh, new but, stories on but it. But you should still be putting Baldur's Gate on your wish list. That's right, because you can actually buy that one now. Legacy now. you won't so be able to do until like 2018. Getting, yeah. That's right. That'll be on the 2018 list. It'll be on your 2018 list. <laughs> and it's going to be winning awards. Awesome. And well, it's amazing. We, we could talk forever about things that are going on we in Dungeons & Dragons land, but we are going to throw it to a segment first. Oh. Uh, and so, yeah, why don't you just do some bings and some bongs right Bing now? Bing bong. Holiday. Uh, welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. Uh, I am Greg Tito, and Lore You Should Know is where I interview these fine, uh, wonderful lore masters, Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. And Matt Cernan. Howdy. Uh, about little tidbits of Dungeons & Dragons lore, uh, topics that you can uh, have for your own education, as well as uh, ways that you can get it into your game. Uh, and today, we are going to talk about Sigil. Not right. to, pr- to be pronounced Sigil, uh, or it could be, I guess. Uh, but it's the House House of Doors. <laughs> house of Doors. <laughs> that is a name of an old door store in my hometown okay. named House of okay. Doors. That's why I popped in there. Okay. But it's the City of Doors. It is. Uh, and uh, a quite interesting place uh, for many reasons. Yeah. Yes. So um, there is discussion of this, or it is introduced in the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide. In the in chapter two, which talks about the plains, one of the one of the locations that's talked about in some detail is Sigil. So we don't have to re- repeat too much, other than to say, imagine if you will, a city built on the inside ring of a torus, i.e., a donut. Well, yeah, or a tire. Really. A tire, yeah, on the inside ring of a tire. Yeah. Um, uh, so it is sort of concave on the inside, mm-hmm. and it sits. On top of, like flat on top of, a thin mountain spire that looks like a needle that gets gradually wider as it spreads yeah. down into 
a part of the multiverse called the Outlands. Yeah. It just hangs above this yeah, it floats spire. above it. So, so, and and the, the spire itself in the Outlands is uh, infinite. So... <laughs> yes. It just goes on and on <laughs> yeah. and on forever yeah. in space. Yeah. So, so uh, like, if you decided to, say, fly up the spire to get up to Sigil, because you can see that little glimmering uh, disc up the there top, yeah. on the top of this needle... Um, you you just keep going and going. You never and going get there. <laughs> Similar, <laughs> similarly, if you if you just detach from Sigil and fly down the mountain spire, you'll never get to the bottom. Yeah, and, and in fact, if you go out of the bounds of Sigil itself and wander off into that space, like you you just sort of float off into this void, and it's not really clear what happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> you can just go. On. Right. Just go. But why would you leave Sigil? Because it, it is <laughs> such. It's it, an awful, awful place. It's a wondrous place. It's called the City of Doors because. It is basically at the center of the multiverse, and there are lots, and by lots I mean hundreds if not thousands of portals that will take you there. Um, the trick to getting through a door in Sigil is you have to have its key, mm-hmm. and those, a, a magical door to another plane or to another planet or to another part of the city yeah. you, is closed to you unless you carry the right key, and the key may not necessarily look like a key. It might be a lock of hair from an angel or a scale of a dragon or a air freshener. A right. um, particular tune that you a sing. A tune that you have to sing. Or, yes. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and the aperture for the doorway might not be an actual door. It might be the top of a barrel or, I mean, it's... A manhole. Whoosh, it's it crazy. Anything, yeah. right. And, and Sigil is uh, dramatized in uh, Planescape Torment, uh, mm-hmm. the game that's currently available uh, uh, on yeah. good old games and on things like that. It's a great, great game. Uh, uh, and also uh, the hometown of Strix. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Holly Conrad's character from Dice Camera Action Strix comes from Sigil and recently <laughs> recently uh, was taken back there briefly. <laughs> Uh, Against her will, or <laughs> yeah, she she did not go willingly uh, <laughs> into that good donut. And then, um, so Sigil is home to a number of very powerful cutters uh, and members of groups that we call factions, which rally around philosophies. Mm. These sort of planar philo- philosophies of how the multiverse works, or how the multiverse sh- how the multiverse should work. Um, these philosophies gather, you know, as, as you know, believers get together who share a common belief, they form organizations. Mm-hmm. Sigil has a number of these organizations living within it. Um, many of them have polar opposite beliefs about how the multiverse works and therefore at odds with each other. Right. Others have beliefs that can kind of coincide or at least coexist on some basic level. Uh, these factions are all led by powerful beings called factals. They're the, they're the the heads of their factions, mm-hmm. the true, the, the the truest of the true believers, um, and there have been wars, or at least one war waged among the factions in in known history within the city limits itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, that has torn some factions asunder and caused them to kind of have to reform in different ways. Yeah. So the um, one of the things about the city is that it is absolutely massive. So it's about two miles wide, and I think it's. Uh, let's see, it's about 20 miles in circumference all the way around. So basically what that, if you, if you put that in real world terms, that is the entire island of Manhattan from the tip at like Battery Park, like all the way Wrapping up to... Wrapping around itself. You know, and so you don't get back to Battery Park again until you're uh, up in 
uh, like Yonkers or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other disturbing thing, of course, is that you can see the other half of the city directly above you because um, the gravity works so that you're all, your feet are always planted on the inside of the ring, which means you can see the opposite side of right the ring you. and the buildings. Right. And then the, the streets also curve um, out to sort of, the, in addition to going around the circle. Contain yeah, the they also curve upward. So you, you're in a weird experience, like you're looking in the city. Basically, every time you look down a street and can see a long it's stretch of streets, it's, they're all going up. <laughs> in the short term, they might go down and up or whatever, but like everything always seems to be sort of going up. It's yeah. a strange sort of situation. Interesting, right. Feels yeah. alien for that reason. Is there a. Uh, Overarching city government? Who, who's in charge of Sigil? Uh, well, that's complicated. Um, so he said knowingly. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, the Lady of Pain is in charge. Right. So the Lady of Pain basically is this mysterious figure um, with uh, sort of blades projecting from yeah. her head. Her, uh, her face is the icon of Planescape. Yeah. It's the it's the symbol that you see on all Planescape products. And um, and she has power over basically pretty much everything that happens in the city. And so things follow her weird rules. Um, one of those rules is sort of like a, um, uh, a, a more or less peace treaty between various extraplanar beings. So if you're an angel and you see a Baylor, you can't just walk across the street and punch it. Um, <laughs> uh, because the people who, who uh, disobey these sort of strange rules that she has get exiled into what's called the maze. And so the, let's the, say the... Yeah, the mazes, actually. Mazes, yeah. yeah. So let's say the, the, the Baylor and the angel get into a fight. Um, the, it, it would be a bit like in... Um, inception when the buildings start folding and moving around and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it'd be like that, and basically everyone would start running away from them because they'd know the mazes are coming. <laughs> and, and then those people get sort of locked away in the mazes, which is this extra-dimensional place where they might spend who knows how long uh, or might or might not encounter other beings there. Yeah. They is, might, in they all might likelihood, starve to death. Most creatures like, that go to the mazes are never seen again. Yeah. Is the maze... And sigil it's in, in itself, or is no, it? No, it is a completely different. It's some plane. other space that that's just created extra dimensionally, yeah. and um, it's unclear where it resides spatially with anything else. It could be in the Lady of Pain herself, for all we know, right? Um, because she is a, 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 a very large, enormous, floating, enigmatic figure who never talks, who never communicates with yeah. anybody. Mm. She, if she shows up. You know, she just looks at you, somebody, and that person's gone. Mm. Yeah, or, or um, they're flayed alive. Because yeah. the other thing that happens is, yes. is, <laughs> is that she'll just look at you, and all your flesh will come off. Right. That's the lady. <laughs> they call her the Lady of Pain because she can flens you with a look, basically. Yeah. Um, so who put her in in charge of Sigil? She did. Yeah. <laughs> is, is she a goddess? No. Ish. Uh, so. Yeah. So she doesn't. The other, one of the other rules about Sigil is that there there aren't any gods allowed. So there, that's right. one of the main rules. And so one of her her big deals, basically, it's it's partially revealed in one of the novels that's written for the Planescape setting, is basically a, how, about how keeping gods out is important because essentially, if gods got in, then they would have the the power because of their powerful belief to control how the multiverse works, works. and looks. Okay. So normal mortals are, and, and other powerful beings like angels and devils and stuff like that are allowed into Sigil. 
Um, and their beliefs and the shared beliefs of lots of people throughout, throughout the entire multiverse are kind of what make the multiverse take shape. But the idea is basically if gods got in, they'd be powerful enough to sort of like take over that system and yeah. reform everything in their own vision. I so. see. She, she is the check to the, and the balance to kind of like the, the very structure of the cosmos. It is unclear that the multiverse could exist without her. Interesting. Yeah. So do you, I mean, in our current thinking, she's the, maybe she's the reason why, I mean, you say like yeah. maybe the mazes is in herself, like maybe right. the multiverse is also part of her. And the, these are, the, these are sort of the big philosophical questions that Planescape since its inception has always kind of skirted around and toyed with, yeah. but like any smart setting doesn't try to answer everything. Um, you know, it, it's like trying to get to the answer of what happens when we die, you know, like, uh, it's just one of those unanswerable, fascinating questions about why she does what she does, what purpose she serves, how, why is it the gods can't exile her or throw her out? Yeah. They can't touch her. She's, she's impervious, impregnable, inscrutable, and indomitable. Interesting, interesting. But that's also what makes adventuring in Sigil that yeah. much more fascinating. It's fascinating because you can rub shoulders with demons and devils and angels and all kinds of other planar beings as well as beings from other worlds who have been drawn here through one of the infinite number of doors. Right. Uh, and so it is the metropolis of metropoli in D&D, &D, uh, the place where literally anything can be seen, found, tasted, touched, uh, and... Uh, it's and where Elvis and Jimmy Hoffa are. It's right. where Elminster <laughs> yes. is. It's yes. where yes. Uh, you know yes. Uh, yes. all those things. And so, as a as a, it's it's freeing as a DM to toy with that idea, and enormously petrifying um, in terms of its scope and sheer like everythingness. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different neighborhoods. I mean, and by neighborhood, I mean like giant, giant boroughs in the sense of like the Bronx and stuff like that in in yeah. you know New York City. Uh, that it, it's it's just that these massive, massive spaces to to sort of think and play yeah. in. When yes. so, it's sort of hard to conceive a lot of times like how you actually adventure in this kind of space, right? Because it. it it kind of escapes the bounds of imagination because <laughs> like, it's so huge yeah. and then it's so complicated. Uh, the, the factions are sort of a route, uh, a route in the city that you can kind of grab onto right. as a player. Like you can belong to a faction. Each faction has a headquarters in the city and it's usually some grand titanic structure, whether it's the foundry, this great sort of smoke billowing structure where all things are made or yeah. it's the armory where uh, – or it's the there's like this big mortuary that's one of them. There's a gymnasium that's another one, and the harmonium, which is sort of a self-dictated police force in the city. Uh, they have a, a right. stronghold there. Yeah, you, you asked how it's governed. So there's there's a couple of different forces. Um, the there's the the Dabu Dabau Dabu Dabu, uh, and they're these weird floaty beings that communicate um, with symbols. Yeah, and. Uh, they're basically the street cleaners and repairmen, caretakers, yeah. caretakers and stuff like that. That's basically all that they yeah. do. And they are beholden to the Lady of Pain and pretty much nothing else. Um, but then the factions step in and do a lot of the other roles of – so the Harmonium is the police force. Uh, the uh, – what is the guild of the Scriveners? And the governors. The governors are kind of the governmental um, – yeah. you know. 
bureaucracy. Bureaucracy. Yeah, they they sort of groove on bureaucracy, so they've kind of filled that role. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it now, wouldn't have it wouldn't have existed in the city without them, but you can't imagine the city without it. One thing that I was always confused about, without knowing a lot about this this the setting and Sigil itself. This is not an afterlife. This is not where people no. go after they're dead because it kind no. of feels like that a little bit, right? Or maybe, I don't know. I guess because anything could be, practically be there, it could, yeah, but no. Because so the souls of the dead and... don't come here. This is where you come to for commerce and, and to meet far-flung beings that you can't find anywhere else. So it's on par with more like a cosmic... Uh, uh, it's a, a cosmic hub, hub of commerce yeah. and, and things rather it's, than it's a, a cosmic hub yeah it's a launching point potentially to an adventure in any other corner of the multiverse as well as being a conduit between okay yeah. we're in we're in forgotten realms right. now we're going yes. to the Greyhawk right. and that's how we have to get there we have to go yes. through Sigil I mean there are ways to get around the multiverse without going through Sigil you don't have to go through Sigil to get to somewhere else necessarily yeah unless Sigil is your destination um <laughs> The plane shift spell, for instance, can take you directly from the material plane to the nine hells. No problem there. Right. The reason you'd want to maybe go through Sigil instead is because there's somebody in Sigil who knows something about the nine hells that you don't, uh, and you need some information. Or there's a, something you need in the nine hells to survive, or an artifact that's up for sale there. Whatever you know, like right. there's um, some of the. There was a book called Faces of uh, Uncaged Colon Faces of Sigil, mm. which described sort of a smattering of personalities that you would find there. It was really, for me as a DM, fascinated with Planescape, a godsend because <laughs> it gave me NPCs that the characters could interact with that sort of filled a variety of roles in the city. Like there's a, a Nalfeshni judge and there's Cambians and... Um, uh, but like there's a... a, a, a is, it, is she a tiefling or a Cambian? Olivia's Ruskin. Um, I, think she's, I, I think she's a Cambian. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but tieflings are interesting to, to uh, point out here too because these were the first time we've right. seen tieflings. Yeah. Whereas we're, yeah. we're in Sigil, right? Yeah. But uh, I, I, as a DM, I, I grabbed Olivia's Ruskin because she's this this old baddie uh, Cambian who lives in this tower of antiquities, and she just collects stuff. So if you need something, you go to her, and she mm-hmm. can point out nowhere to go and that kind of thing. Um, another one I like is Rule of Three. He is a Cambian who hangs out at a tavern in Sigil. And they call him Rule of Three because he always tells you things in threes and reinforces the idea that there is in the multiverse this idea of the Rule of Three, that things happen in threes. You need three keys to get through here. You need three, you have to solve three riddles to get this thing or what, you know, he's all about that three, 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 three. And um, Sigil is so full of all these quirky characters like that, um, that they help bring the place to life you can sort of deal with the magnitude of the place by focusing on just a handful right. of characters there. And, and paint in a brush that's weird yes. and strange yeah, and things you I wouldn't mean, find anywhere else. Basically, any of the most bizarre D&D monsters that you can think of, you could put in Sigil and it'll, it'll just seem normal. <laughs> you know? Right, yes. So, and then they're on par with everyone else. That's right. also, yeah. I mean, like, as you mentioned, right. you know, uh, Baylors and Demon and Devils can't fight each other, uh, but uh, uh, here they all can coexist and be part of the same world and it's just yeah. like Bob down the street. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they have there there have been conflicts that have not been resolved in the past. So there has been, for example, um, a, a point where devils and demons brought some of the blood war into Sigil and oh. they wrecked a huge part of the city. And for some reason, they weren't stopped. Um, and so that part is still sort of a, this crazy um, 
like no man's land of ruins and smoking craters and stuff like that. And bizarrely, these big black boxes that contain uh, either abyssal weapons or maybe they're hellish infernal tools or magic items or maybe it's just a weird monster. <laughs> and then there's like a bizarre um, sort of alien-like uh like aliens versus predator style alien, like um, abyssal creature that hunts in that area mm. still, that is sort of like the Loch Ness monster of mm-hmm. that um, part of the city. And so um, I guess lady pain must like it. Yeah. She's she must, must be there. okay with it. Yeah. Cause it's still there. Like <laughs> no one's done anything about it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a, a good overview for uh, our listeners on what Sigil is and what mm-hmm. it could be and stories you could tell in it. Yeah. Um, I, I it has agree- normal oxygen. You yep. can cast no- all spells there. There's yep. no other, like, planar effects. There's a statue of Bigby somewhere in the yep. city. I there is. Does, does Bigby live there? No. And for, for from what I can tell from the lore, uh, there's no idea even that Bigby ever even got to the city. So how there came to be a statue of Bigby somewhere in somebody the city. Somebody must have brought it. <laughs> somebody, 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 somebody was a fan. Somebody was a fan. It, and they, it, it passed on through, yeah. you know, a whole bunch of hands before it finally ended but up in Sigil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very big hands. Awesome. Uh, so if people want to pester you with uh, uh, great ideas for... NPCs within Sigil, uh, mm-hmm. how can they get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. I'm also on Twitter at, at Cern, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. And uh, you can ask me any questions, although I'll probably just pass it on to these folks. I'm at Greg Tito. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, good stuff. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure the Waffle Crew will go back there at some point. Nice. I don't know when. Yeah. yeah. When's, uh, maybe they'll adventure there for a couple, of, a couple of sessions. We'll see. Or maybe they'll just run back to the planar, the, the material plane. We did one on Shmeshka, uh, the Marauder. Yes. And, a uh, very famous uh, Sig- Sigillian denizen. Exactly. So maybe we'll have some more of those uh, uh, as we go. Thanks, you guys. We'll be back with another segment next week. That segment was amazing, though. Did you get that segment? Totally. Yeah, it felt like I know more about dragons and or dungeons. Yes. At this time. Totally. It all happened I know, very I know. fast. Just filled with knowledge. I, your head actually grew a few it sizes. Did. These are headphones sure? are tight. All the hats that you were wearing are now yeah. busted. When I go home for the Hulk holidays, style. I am just going to delight my family with lore they should know and or sage advice. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've gotten good at this. We, I used to say we were not good. No, we've gotten good at it. Oh, no. We've got to go now. Uh, so good, in fact, that we should just call up Trent right now and Let's start talking it. to him. Let's do it. That's all right. That's all right. Dialogue. All right. Hello. Hello, Trent. Hey, Trent. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. Sorry it took a little long to to get you. No matter when we start recording these, we always end up getting behind in schedule. So thank you for bearing with us. Because of Greg. Chatty, 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 chatty. It is my fault. I will take full blame. So how are you doing? You're calling us from uh, sunny sunny Edmonton. That is correct. Sunny Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Is it... uh, Now, Edmonton... This is where I'm going to betray the, the things I don't know about uh, 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 Canadian geography. But Edmonton's not too far up where you would start to get uh, uh, a less light at the, at the, in the wintertime, right? Oh, we do. We get a lot less light. It's currently 5.25 p.m. here right now, and it is dark outside. Oh. oh. So, but it's not quite above the, the, the line of the Arctic Circle, though, right? 
No, it's not that far north, but it's uh, it's far enough north that uh, it gets dark early in the in the winter, and it's sad. But correspondingly, you can have a beer on a patio in the summer at ten thirty, and it's still light. That's a pretty still, still light out. That's a pretty good trade off. I will do that. Yeah, nobody wants to be outside anyway in the winter, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're like I'm a active. snowboarder. Oh well. <laughs> There you go. Unless you're active, like Trent. Like, oh, somebody who likes to do sports and stuff. <laughs> As opposed to staying indoors and playing video games. My daughter wanted uh, to do something outside. She wanted to get into skiing, and I skied for a lot of years. So I was kind of over with it. But uh, totally got into, uh, got into snowboarding with her. No oh. way. That's cool. I heard that it's easier to get into snowboarding if you've never skied, as opposed to being a skier who gets into snowboarding. Uh, I don't know if I'd go with that. I basically spent like a day uh, learning the basics of snowboarding, and I was able to run up and down the hill. Oh, oh. Well, I'm also somebody who doesn't like snowy activities. Or anything with a hint of danger. I don't like danger. I did ski once. And I didn't learn how to stop. I actually didn't know how to ski at all. And when I realized I was going very fast down a hill and didn't know how to stop, I decided that my best course of action would be to just flip over a fence. <laughs> and I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and cried. And cried a little because I, <laughs> I broke my thumb. Oh, no, really? You broke yeah. your thumb? But it was a great excuse to not ever have to go skiing again. Oh, yeah. I broke my thumb skiing as well. And you probably just kept right on going. Uh, no, I was like, some people were going to the hospital because there was a, a girl who thought she had broken her leg. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll help any of the guys that get this checked out. It might just be a sprain. So they checked the girl out. They're like, ah, she's fine. You, you wow, on the other you, hand. You really broke this thumb. This is pretty awesome. I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Turns out you do need your thumbs, both of them, a lot. Yeah. Now, I, had a, I had a really awesome pair of poles that had these, like, molded plastic grips. Um, I think they were actually called thumb destroyers. Oh, that's that's bad branding right there. Now yeah. that you think about it, unless it's like a D and D weapon, <laughs> that would be cool. Or like a cursed weapon, like oh yeah, I've got the thumb destroyer, but I will it's hit your, you with my thumb destroyer. But it's your thumb that will be destroyed when you strike. I cast thumb destroyer. It's totally like minus two poles of thumb destroying. My <laughs> poles. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you just a real uh, uh, quick audio thing? Are you are you clicking something over there? We're hearing a lot of clicks. I wasn't sure if it was the uh, the microphone or what. I think that might be uh, it touching my jacket. So here, I'll see if I can fix that. Cool. Yeah. Oh, like the the, the wire touching it. Yeah, that might be a thing. Yeah. Microphones are so sensitive. <laughs> I know. Really. Like the Greg Tito of I was electrical make a, equipment. I was gonna make a snowflake joke, and I thought that. Would be terrible, so I'm not going to. Well, we were just talking about winter. (laughs) We were just talking about winter sports, so it actually is topical. Uh, So, Trent, we're calling you not to just gab about uh, winter activities, but before a very exciting announcement that you guys made uh, very recently. Yeah, we uh, we announced we are working on the Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition. Yay! Me revisiting a game I put eight years into the first time around. We'll see if we can't put some more some more years into that game. (laughs) <laughs> Full circle. So you were at the team uh, at Bioware when this was going out. Is that is that right? I was the first and last man off the on and off the project. So nice. it was. Uh, yeah, we started. It was basically like, hey, it'll be like Baldur's Gate. Let's make another D and D game, 
what should we do? And that's the point where I started. And then uh, we wrote up a one-sentence description. It's like, multiplayer-focused D&D adventure with tools. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm sold. That's awesome. When did, so when did that development get started? Oh, God, that was uh, 97. Oh, wow. So it was before – that got started before Baldur's Gate had shipped? That's correct. Wow. Way back in the day. That is a long yep. time. Well, so that, we, you, you were the lead on the project was, too, right? Yeah. So BG1 was just finishing up and we had kicked up kind of the Neverwinter team when BG2 was, was hard in development. That's yeah, so was, cool. On BG1, I was actually the uh, director of the 3D art department, mm. which meant that uh, I was basically an arty type person who could potentially make decisions on how art should look better. That's yeah. That's what an art art director does. Yeah. Yep, especially director. Yeah, yeah and my uh, qualifications was I uh, I was a programmer <laughs> <laughs> who had art sensibilities, who has eyes. I had I had uh, I looked back at the time. I would not say I had skills, but I had a, I had an inkling of what how to make things look less bad. How's <laughs> that? Okay. That's, I feel like that's a that's a that's a job description for a programmer, right? Like you know how to look at something and be like, oh, that I know how to make this code yes, less bad. Less bad. So can you can apply that to art. I can, yeah. I can look at art and I can say, I think the following things might make it look less bad. Sweet. And then you parlay that into uh, so so yeah. Why why were you the one who was was leading up the the, the Neverwinter Nights project? Uh, so initially at Bioware, I was a when we founded it, I was a programmer, and then I jumped into doing 3D art. I built uh, a bunch of models, and I built all the, U, uh, the UI screens for Shattered Steel. And so I was kind of the most experienced 3D artist at the time in the company, and uh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. It's like, I kind of suck as an artist. These <laughs> people are getting better than me. I'd better get out of art. I'd better get into something where I, uh, I can't be challenged. So I will lead a project. <laughs> <laughs> so that backfired on you. Now look. Yeah, I basically uh, became in charge of a project, which I never realized meant that I would just not sleep until it got shipped. Oh yeah. When so that was entertaining. When did Neverwinter Nights ship? Just when I'm getting the the timeline right. Um. So I have this dark period in my life where I actually don't recall much of anything, and I know sleep. that Neverwinter shipped in that periodish. Well, that cleared up nothing. <laughs> I think it was it was about two thousand two ish. I think. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking two thousand four, and I'm like, I think I'm off. Uh, that might have been when the the expansion started rolling around. So. So it started in nineteen ninety nine. Did you say seven? Ninety seven. Five yeah. years. Five, Five years. years. Yeah. Dark I know. days, man. Dark days. So that whole... dark Edmonton days, like yeah, literally so and figuratively. <laughs> According to the interwebs, um, Neverwinter Nights shipped June eighteenth, two thousand two. Two thousand two. All right, so you nailed it. Which which means um, I was probably sleeping then. Yeah, that's why you don't remember <laughs> for the first time in in five years. Yeah, I actually slept for three days once we shipped the game. So we got it together. We sent off the final release candidate. Everybody had said yes, it's good to go, and we drank a whole bunch of scotch that a Microsoft guy had bought his way into the private beta with, and then uh, we uh, went home. I slept for three days. Wow. Yeah. And so after all that experience, the number one thing you wanted to do, uh, or maybe the 
<laughs> was to jump back into it uh, uh, as part of Beamdog. Oh, uh, well, well, before that, so Neverwinter shipped. I slept for three days, came back, got the patch set up, got a Teams rolling and everything, and I took three months off oh. where I didn't even turn on a computer. Wow. So I, I, I became a Luddite for three months. Oh, How was that? Sounds- Uh, That was awesome. I totally disassembled and reassembled my race car, and I spoke to no one who knew about computers or or anything. It was good. Your race car? I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I have a race car. Actually, at the moment, I have two. It's because the one that was disassembled is now in two parts. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say the fixed to fun ratio is a little skewed on the one, so it is currently (laughs) on an extended timeout. Oh. Got it. Cool. So uh, I, I recently picked up a Spec Miata. So it's a very small car. And the way I can fit in said small car is by bolting the seat to the floor. And uh, it's wildly entertaining because it has no power. And it's all about throwing it through corners as fast as you dare. Well, that does sound fun in a video game setting. Not so yeah. much in a... This is where I skew more towards the, the Shelly side of things. I'm like, that oh, sounds danger. dangerous. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. It has ruined racing games for me forever, though. Oh, I bet, right? Because I, I can't, I can't feel the forces with my butt. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I use, I use my butt when I'm racing. My butt's talking to me. It's saying it's a little much. He's up there. So, uh, racing oh games, God. I can't use my butt. So it's, it's my, it's just... my son would love this conversation. Yeah, my butt's talking to me, <laughs> mommy. My butt is telling me something. Your butt's <laughs> like. Too much, too much, man. Too much. Ease up, ease up. Ease ease up. <laughs> Does it like clench up like when it's going that fast? Or you can, you can just feel like the weight words. in the car when it shifts, and you can feel how much force it's kind of throwing into you. I say my butt, but it's it's really my entire body giving me feedback saying, "Ease up, madman. You have done too much. This corner <laughs> is not going to go well." And, I love uh, that. Where do you race? Um, we have a track locally. Huh. I've been. I mean, just limiting myself to the local track. So, unfortunately, I can never make enough points to make it up too high in the standings. But uh, I think the first year I raced in this class, I was eighth overall for the year. This year, I think I'm up to fourth. Wow. That's good. Moving on up. Progress. You're getting leveled up. uh, Yeah. top, Top three guys are good, man. Really good. This is a bit random. Though, but I just listened to a, a, a podcast that was about like stunt guys in the 70s yeah. and 80s and one of them was the mad canadian do you know who that is trend no i don't he was a guy who was I, trying to 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 his like big stunt that like never actually never actually did was to jump the st lawrence river oh geez. which is like yeah. a mile wide in a rocket car oh my god um but i just love that it sounds his, like a great idea it just, does <laughs> Yeah, and then his understudy ended up doing it uh, uh, because no. he wouldn't do it. Uh, kind of, I don't know. There's a long story to that. Ken Carter, Ken Carter that's right. Uh, and uh, the guy that wa- what's the name of the guy from Eastbound and Down? Uh, the main character. Oh, Bandit. Or no, Sorry, that, no, that no, HBO Eastbound. show. Uh, Kenny, Powers. Kenny Powers. So the person who okay. actually did the jump is named Kenny Powers. Oh, no uh, way. And you, it's, it's like on the, the Wikipedia page, basically, it's like it's loosely based off of this guy, Kenny Powers, that was the guy who actually Someone ended up doing this jump. Did this, he did the jump and then he went 500 feet, fell into the river, and like broke his spine. Oh, so when you mean he, he attempted <laughs> he the attempted jump? He attempted the jump, yes. He okay. not actually did it. Uh, and oddly enough, that guy who did it, that's not the mad Canadian. <laughs> Ken Carter's the mad Canadian. Wow. Hmm. Uh, 
But so, still, to, to have a name like Johnny Power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It feels like it's it's a very D&D thing. So, sorry, back to Neverwinter Nights and how awesome. Uh, uh, right. Uh, Shelly was just asking me before we got on air here. She was like, well, what what's going to make it enhanced this time around? I couldn't wait to, for the answer. So I started asking Tito and he said, calm down. We're calling Trent right now. <laughs> yeah, so what makes it enhanced? What's the enhancement? Uh, so first thing we did was we went in and we converted the rendering pipeline. It used to be kind of a much older technology and we made it shader based so it's actually extensible now so people can go in and mod it for end users we also added uh, 4k display support so it'll actually run on bigger screens and the user interface will actually scale up and we added uh, we built a new matching service for it so you can actually match and see games where previously the matching service was GameSpy, which is no longer around and uh Right now, I mean, we're in we're in a beta where we're just kind of coalescing features together, and we're working with all the community people who have been around for like since the game shipped, and we're just adding enhancements and improvements to the game based on kind of their feedback and their direction. So wow. that's why we announced early so we could get community involvement and make sure that we're we're putting the hard effort into the right features. Well, we know the benefits of having the community actually tell you what they want. So yeah. That sounds well, it's, great. It's, it's really easy to just get drunk on your own Kool-Aid and you're like, hey, I know what I really like and what really matters. But then when you start talking to fans, they're like, oh, actually, this is what really matters and this is what I should be building for them. For so sure. uh, yeah, we learned a lot. So, I, I mean, I, I played the, the Neverwinter Nights single-player campaign and loved that, but I, I never got into doing more of the multiplayer, but I remember hearing years and years later that it was a super vibrant modding community. There's still people who are modding it today and, and are, are building you know uh, uh, modules within it. Will all those modules that people have made for the non-enhanced edition, will those work with the enhanced edition? Yes. No way. So one of the big things we wanted was to keep everything backwards compatible because there's actually large teams out there still running mini persistent worlds so it's it's almost like running your own everquest and you have right. people log in and they can play their characters online and they can continue to play on your server and you get basically build your own adventure and and manage it and oversee it and over the years they actually built these kind of like extenders where extenders where they would actually hook into the code of the game and inject their own code so they could do custom things so early on when we started thinking about the project, we reached out to some of those people and pulled them in and were like, so you're basically doing execution, executable injection, which is almost like virus stuff, to make this work. What if you didn't have to? What if we made it a lot simpler? And they're like, that would be great. So <laughs> we've been working with them. And right now we've got kind of a lot of the original client extender side stuff. We're actually just moving a lot of those features just into the basic version of the client in the game and for special stuff that the persistent world people have been using like database access and file access we're working directly with the neverwinter extender so they can just hook it to a database that that sounds really exciting and especially the fact that and maybe some of our listeners may not realize this i mentioned of course that there's a modding community and you mentioned the persistent world thing but you know if you really think about it it's it's as if you were playing uh, an mmo and the all of the quest givers and all the things the 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 dungeon masters or people are, are, are could be played by people could be played by people who are in that community and acting out the the the, the parts of it there's obviously some stuff that can be automated too but right there, there there's the ability to almost make it like a persistent d and d campaign with uh, uh players on both sides of, of of the code is that is that correct 
That is correct. And that's one of the things I was so excited about to return to Neverwinter was it just did these amazing things that no video game since has even gone close to. Right. We had we had this really powerful tool set so you could create your own adventures, anything you wanted. And we actually shipped our own adventures so you could load them into the tool set to see how we built things. So people could basically look at all of our good code and not so good code and uh, find out how to do it themselves. And then we added in the DM tools where you could actually have not only one DM logging in, but you could have like a head DM and he could, he or she could like delegate abilities to other DMs who could then work under them to kind of run the adventure for you. And soon after launch, there were some crazy persistent worlds that people had thrown up where there's like three to four DMs all working together to run an adventure for a, a party. And it was just the most amazing handcrafted experience. And, and, if you've played video games, there's always a moment where it kind of gets mechanical. You kind of feel it getting a little clunky. Yeah. But with this, I mean, they were able to so just customize and tweak things at any time. And if the party wants to go off in some way, well, you can just possess one of the creatures and start speaking as if you're the creature. It was actually really powerful in terms of what it could do. That is so exciting. And yeah. I remember hearing, I don't know if this is true, but I remember like going to GDC and things like that very early in my in my games press uh, 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 career was like 2009, 2010, and there were people who were still using Neverwinter Nights as like their calling card. It's like, oh well, I I, I didn't know, I, I wanted to make a game, but I didn't have, but I made a Neverwinter Nights module, and here's how it worked, and here's you know things, and people were still using it as a way to um, break into the industry. Um, I, you know, I, is that like for the longest time Bioware? That was like, oh, you want to design a job at Bioware? Okay, let's see your Neverwinter Nights module. Uh -huh. Oh, you don't have one? Oh, well, I guess you don't really want a job then. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was like kind of like showing your, you know, your cred in a way was to be like, well, I know you don't have the chops to make an entire game by yourself, but here's at yeah. least a, a design test in a way. Oh, yeah. And like we wound up hiring two fellows like from across the world. Uh, there was Georg Zoller, who we hired out of Germany, and Jaren Jacobs, who we hired out of Israel. They both sent in modules where we sat down and looked at them and then pulled the design team in. We're like, how are they doing that? <laughs> and the answer on Georg's stuff was, I don't know. I don't, I don't, know. I don't think that's possible. I don't think the game, that the, the game won't actually do that. So, uh, yeah, they what? both got jobs. So how did they do it? Uh, it turned out he had found a very interesting kind of side effect of a feature that we hadn't intended at all. And he was actually able to use that to build really in-depth and interesting cinematics. Cool. Wow. Huh. That's crazy. That is. That's really so do cool. you find, I mean, maybe this is a little bit uh, pie in the sky, but like, do you think that with this enhanced edition, you'll see more of that? Do you think that people will, will want to get into it to, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's things like the Dungeon Masters Guild and things where you can talk about, you know, tabletop RPG kind of where, where you can uh, uh, get noticed. Do you think people will be doing that more with, with Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition? I'm, I'm certain of it. And beyond that, we're looking at this going, Okay, this is Neverwinter as it stands right now. With the Enhanced Edition, we've moved it forward, and we just started. There's so much more we've got to do and so many more features and, and interesting things we can add. Like, when we launched the initial game in 2002, computers weren't that awesome. The Internet wasn't that awesome. We actually built the whole system around this idea of, okay, modules have to be really tiny because people will have dial-up and really lousy connections. So it, it has to be really small, these adventures that we ship out. 
Whereas nowadays, I mean, it's it's not uncommon to have 10 megabit per second connections or, or 100 megabit if you're if you're hooked up with some some good provider. So, I mean, a lot of the core assumptions from 2002 just don't hold. And and processor speed, my God, I think I think we're so like at least 20x faster than we were back then. So the things we can do are just amazing. That's cool. And now going back to it and saying, okay, you can't currently do these following things. Why is that? Oh, it's because the code is dumb right here. Let's let's make the code less dumb right here. <laughs> less and dumb. that works amazingly well. <laughs> it's probably good advice for lots of things. Right. Yeah, make, make it make, less dumb. Make the code less dumb. So I feel like I know the answer to this probably, but how do you know? How do you stop designing a game? Because I feel like with all the people working on it and all the things that are possible or the things that you think might be possible, like you could just do this forever. I mean, but how do you know when it's like, okay, it's done. This is all we're going to add for now. This is it. We're good. We're when, shipping. When can you sleep for those three days? Yes. When do um, the three days of sleep come? Well, last time we all agreed on a date on a calendar and then we worked like slaves until it was done and then we collapsed and it wasn't totally done actually. It went out and there were some bugs and we found it fixing things over time. I think with, with Neverwinter and Hats Edition, I, I don't think it gets done. I think it just keeps going. Mm. Like, I will look we back ever at, get uh, to see it? Is... <laughs> oh, no. It, it'll get, we'll, we'll do releases. We'll ship it. <laughs> But then we're going to continue marching it forward. It's like Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. We shipped a version of it back in the day. I kind of think of that like what we're doing right now. We're putting the beta out. We're making sure that people can get in with the Head Start program and they can test it on strange hardware and they can help us kind of figure out our initial launch feature set. We launched the game and then we're working on update one and then we're working on update two and then we're working on update three. I mean, Baldur's Gate 1, we're actually just about to go into beta test on a new code update that we're going to put out over the Christmas holidays to let people oh. play the game. Wow. And, and it's five years since we shipped the game. We're still actively involved in it and still actively pushing it forward. But that's, that's not always the case for a lot of game companies. No, we're weird. We, we, don't, <laughs> we apparently don't like money or something. I don't know. we got to rethink this whole strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the truth is we love the games and, and we, we take the f- criticism and the feedback to heart and we're like hey there is there's this bug which means that some people can't enjoy this game and that's that's a concerning thing to us we want to go in we want to address that so we go in and we look at it and we try to patch it i love it that's nice that's a nice theory so maybe this is a question uh uh, that i'm going to put in shelly's mouth uh but say me too keep your questions i don't know how to code i'm just put that there i know nothing about the So, it, what is it going to be like? Someone who comes into uh, oh, okay. uh, Number Winter Nights, will they be able to jump into making their own modules? I, I think Number Winter's Number Winter's really good in that it kind of lowers a lot of the barriers to entry. If you want to go in, you want to paint down a train really quick, a couple areas, you want to throw down some monsters, invite some friends over, jump in and play around with it. Totally do that. That's easy. It's accessible. It's easy to understand. If you want to script custom stuff and have your little town seem alive and have your players, have your, your NPCs scripted so they have day-night cycles, yeah, scripting is programming, and programming is difficult. So easy to get started, hard to become a master. Will there be, 
will there be in-game stuff that will uh, ease some of that transition? You know, be like, oh, this this is the thing you want to do, and here's how you do it. Or is that going to be stuff that's going to be on a wiki? Like, what, what, how will people be able to access the the more expert stuff? Yeah, so we've got the Beamduck forums, which we've got up and running. We're in active discussion all the time there. There's a really experienced modder community that's come over, and we'll be posting up all sorts of information on how to mod it, how to take the game further, and, and even in some cases, I think we'll be trolling the community for, hey, give us a problem and let's see if we can solve it. Uh, listen That's to my DJ while he revolves it. <laughs> <laughs> Pow. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that now you have to make your, uh, uh, you know, uh, betrayal of the Real Housewives module. Yes, I could do that. <laughs> maybe I will. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe Trent, Trent will help you. You'll have your own personal... Uh, uh, a teacher to, yeah, you, to got, help. you don't have that much going on right now, Trent. You can uh, yeah, totally yeah. take some time and teach me how to code. I'm, I'm pretty slack. I'll give you that. <laughs> I feel like this is like would actually be something good for de- game design students to like yeah. a project in school. Well, we we actually work pretty close with the University of Alberta, and uh, up until last year, they were actually still using the original Neverwinter Nights as a tool in one of their classes, uh, Comp Sci Two Fifty. And it was the challenge was build a game project, and one of the teams actually built like a rhythm game, like a, a music rhythm game. Really? Yeah, using Neverwinter, and I was like, "So you hooked up a guitar controller to Neverwinter? How did you do this?" And I walked through it. And I was like, "Oh my god, I, I guess that is technically possible." Wow, that's cool. I love that you you guys who are the you know the caretakers of the code and are, yeah. are bringing it forward are still constantly surprised by what the community does. That's cool. Yeah, we just hired one of those guys, one of the one of the students from that group. Really, he actually just joined our company today. Oh, really? Congratulations, Welcome, nameless person, new student. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to you know Guitar Hero Neverwinter Nights edition. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think we're gonna go there. The, those guys. They did such a good job, we can't top them. So yeah, we're just going to try and stay with the, the whole role-playing kind of aspect. Yeah. We'll enable the crazy side projects that people want to try, but at the same time, I think we'll just focus in on the core. It would be Loot Hero, I guess. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Bard Sorry. Hero. <laughs> Loot um, Hero. Yeah, Leah. <laughs> So what about, uh, uh, I mean, this kind of speaks to the, the culture at, uh, at Beamdog. I know maybe we talked a little bit about, you know, you guys are in Edmonton and things like that. But, like, what's, what's it like being uh, a fly on the wall in the studio? I feel like uh, uh, not, not many folks might, might know what, what it's like there. Um, it's, we're a pretty small team. We're under 30 people. Um, it's kind of a mix of old, crusty industry vets <laughs> who have decades of, game development experience and some new sharp little students out of school and uh, it's a pretty good gang i'm i'm actually really happy we uh we actually very rarely have we advertised for a job most of our hires have actually been just private recommendations Mm -hmm. i'll reach out to my network of of spies and i'll say i'm looking for the best person in the world who can do this you must give me your personal recommendation. You must stand behind it. <laughs> uh, I will hire the person who is recommended. And so far, it has been amazing. So does this game have a release date? No. <gasps> it's gonna be we're still, forever. we're still, uh, no, it won't be forever. 
our, our goal is to kind of get a, get a, <laughs> we're going to get kind of a core feature set that we think makes the game a truly enhanced experience for the average game player in addition to the expert who wants to go in and, and run a persistent world because we really want to kind of march everybody's setup forward and make the experience that much better for every person. So I think once we've got that kind of core feature set nailed down and the community is really happy with it, and we've tested it on a crazy variety of hardware, we'll do an official hard launch. And then after the hard launch, we'll, we'll start doing updates. Currently, we're doing a weekly update cycle. So every week we drop a new build with new features. So you have already started getting feedback from your community? We are deeply involved with them. I actually at this moment have four separate tabs open to various sub forums where I'm looking at suggestions and going, wow, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> I think that's impossible. Wow, that sounds really cool. I think we could do that in a couple of days, which oh. usually causes me to go up and interrupt somebody's work and say, hey, I know you work on this really important thing, but I think this is really cool. I think you should do this instead. At which point there's usually some eye rolling and, and so on, but. We get past that, the forums again. and then yeah, he's poking at the forums. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we get him all like not access to the forums? Cut off his access to the forums. <laughs> so, is there like consistent um, feedback, or is it like kind of like everybody wants something different, or are you seeing like a thread of like everybody seems to want this one particular thing? There's there's a couple big foundational pieces that keep coming up. I one of the big things is uh, being able to customize the user interface. I mean, when we built the Neverwinter interface, it was 1024 by 768. That was the screen resolution. The UI is built around that. And if you don't like that, well, that's entirely bad. It scaled a little bit when you went to higher resolutions, but it wasn't very good. So with adding the 4K scaling, we've kind of taken a first step towards that. But to me, going in and customizing and opening up that user interface really offers kind of my idea of where the future of Neverwinter can go. I think the other thing is the, our implementation of the D&D rules was here is our implementation of third edition of at this exact time slice. And there's extra stuff that the fans want to add because there's so much, so many more rules than what we actually implemented. Yeah. Like there's, there's races like Asimar and Tiefling that we just didn't do because we didn't have time. And, and people keep trying to add them in through various techniques. You know, if we could just go in and be able to open that stuff up and allow them to add it in just native without needing an extender, that would be awesome. Yeah, so, that would be. So well, people can kind well, of homebrew their own their own thing. Exactly. And, and people like having their own worlds where they tell their own stories. And, and sometimes people want, oh, I want to try and do some kind of like Dragonlance campaign. Okay, I want these things instead. So we really want to enable that customization again and, and kind of push it further. That's neat. Now, do you ever... Find people are confused when you when you make uh, Neverwinter and not Neverwinter Nights. There are people who are like, "Oh, this is the MMO you're talking about." Uh, actually, no. I, so far, I think we've mainly been messaged to the more hardcore who really know what Neverwinter Nights is and they they kind of understand it. Mm. I think um, I think with time, especially as we approach release, we're going to really kind of work on that messaging to keep it clean and to make sure people understand that the, there's Neverwinter the MMO which is you going online to play on a hosted world that is hosted in one place by one company. That's awesome. This is a different thing. And this is, this is kind of like the, the single player adventure slash multiplayer adventure slash mini MMO thing that you can do on your own. So that already got confusing. The more slashes yep, you put in. Yep. <laughs> I know that's the problem with everyone. You try and describe it. It's like, so it's this thing that does these other things. 
Oh god, it does everything. It's more of like a, I mean, it's similar to Dungeons and Dragons that it's a framework to tell stories. We really looked at it as kind of like when people ask me what should Neverwinter be, and I was like, remember the basic set? You got this red box. It should be everything in that box. Mm. It should be an adventure. It should be a tool set. It should be all the things you need to have an amazing experience with you and your friends. Like I look at the Baldur's Gate series, and Baldur's Gate was, here is an amazing adventure handcrafted for you to enjoy. Go enjoy it. Neverwinter was more like, here's a tool set and a framework for you and your party to get together and share an amazing multiplayer experience just like pen and paper D&D. Right. I like that. All right, yeah. so now I have—I I guess I have two more things because I want you to tell me where people can find out more about this. But before I do that, you're the perfect person to ask, and I feel like I don't know why I have never asked you this before, but why is Neverwinter Nights called Neverwinter Nights? Good question. People oh, have God. asked me that, and I don't really know. I always kind of thought it was a play on uh, that Bob Seger song. It was like, the Hollywood Nights. <laughs> That's really what you Literally, thought. Literally, that's what I thought. Because I was a kid, you know? That's, I thought, I don't know, it didn't make any sense. Or like Talladega Nights, that, you know, Tal- uh, yeah. uh, uh, Will Ferrell movie, you know? Why is that's it called really, that? It's really sad, man. I know, right? I know. <laughs> so do you know the answer? I mean, you're the person who, I, who I, should answer that. I, I do know the answer. Um, we originally wanted to name it something exciting and something dramatic and something awesome. And we, we weren't really coming up with a name. And at the time, we were publishing through Interplay. Mm-hmm. And Interplay said, hey, we've got the rights to this old AOL game called Neverwinter Nights. We should name it Neverwinter Nights 2. At which point, we're like, so the old Neverwinter Nights was a, a MMO where you could log in. And it was, it was basically one of the first MMOs ever created. And people spent thousands of dollars playing this. It was you paid by the minute you were connected. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they're like, Neverwinter Nights 2. And I was like, okay, this was AOL Neverwinter Nights. How many people remember that? Okay. Not me, let's apparently. Just, let's, let's just go with Neverwinter Nights. We'll go with that. And that was a, a compromised decision on all fronts. And uh, it kind of went like I expected, which was we announced Neverwinter Nights. There was much rejoicing through people who didn't know what the original AOL Neverwinter Nights was. And then there was a community of people who were original Neverwinter Nights fans from AOL. And they're like, hey, our game's coming back. This is going to be great. Three lines later, it's like, this isn't our game. What are these bastards doing? (laughs) So uh, Yeah, we spent the first month kind of firefighting that message and saying, it's not what you remember, but you can make what you remember. Nice. The fun yeah. things you remembered from the game you loved, you'll totally be able to make those in this. And uh, you can actually make so much more. That makes By the sense. time we shipped, we had so surpassed the original in terms of what, what they could do. Because they actually, the original Neverwinter, you actually couldn't fight other players. You could only go into town and, and talk, and then you could go out into the wilderness and you could fight monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bug where you could actually cast spells on people in the original, so they could actually kind of fight each other. And they, they built this into a whole system. We had a module called Contest of Champions we shipped, which was all about players fighting other players. And it's, it's actually uh, how me and most of the senior leadership at Bioware helped playtest the game in the last two weeks. <laughs> Just to make it sure was it was balanced for, for, oh, for PvP. Right. We, had a, we had a running game of Contest of Champions that sometimes lasted four or five hours. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I know you got to get out of here, so I'm not going to hold you for too much longer. Last question then is where can people find out more about Neverwinter Nights and Enhanced Edition, join the community, and become a part of this? Uh, the best way is to go to the Beamdog forums. So if you go to forums.beamdog.com, there is a Neverwinter Nights section within which there are many Neverwinter Nights sections. <laughs> There's everything where you can discuss the campaign, the tools, persistent worlds, all the things you want to do. And uh, our staff are on there. If it's got a blue background behind it, it's somebody from the staff talking. And we're engaged and we're listening and we're talking back and forth. And and we're actively kind of seeking input from the community. And we're, in, in some cases, engaged in active debates. As a developer, sometimes we actually don't know the answer to everything. And uh, we actually will listen. Awesome. Well, we, cool. know, we know you're listening and watching. So yeah, that's good. We are we are totally <laughs> listening and watching and going. Hmm, is that right? Should is we hire this guy? <laughs> <laughs> There's always that kind of low level. <laughs> this person mm. knows how to code. Interesting. This is this is this this person has proven that they can do these things that we are trying to do. Maybe. So we've already got one full time person out of the community, and there is a second one who is assisting us. Hmm. This may not. This definitely will not be the end of that kind of process. Cool. Well, I can't wait. It sounds uh, exciting, and I like the fact that people are going to be uh, 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 guiding or and or you know providing the feedback to let you guys know uh, what to make it uh, work like. And hopefully, it'll be uh, you know. Uh, do you have like a vague timeline as far as when it'll come <laughs> out? Um, we, we were trying originally for this year. It's really going to come down to this year. When's when's the yeah, 2017? Wow. So so are we thinking like Q1, Q2, 2018, or we're we're still right at this point. We haven't built kind of a hard list on exactly what we got to do yet. Okay. He's not giving so, it up. So yeah, not telling us soon. Trademark. It will be sometime between now and probably before 2019 rolls around. So okay. 2018. So 2018. <laughs> You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Trent, uh, for calling in. Uh, uh, We'd love to hear more. Maybe we'll check in uh, with you on the development or or, or talk to some folks who are are in in the trenches making this happen. I think that would be totally awesome. We have many trench people who are willing to (laughs) to non-trench people. <laughs> we'll and we'll leave some of the pressures of uh, of of uh, uh, crunch time for that for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Trent. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, yeah, Trent. Take care, guys. Okay. Great talk. Bye, bye. Bye. Fascinating. Good stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 all this flood of stuff that I remember about Neverwinter Nights started to come back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's weird I remember to think this. Like he was working on it. Yeah. You I didn't even know him then. I know, right? Mm, I was like my little beholder necklace. Your beholder necklace is bringing it all home mm. with that. Uh, mm. I don't think there's a beholder in Neverwinter Nights, but maybe there will be now. Something we'll add one inspire. in. Yes. Mm. Say, uh, Shelly, where'd you get that necklace? Oh, this little beholder, beautiful silver necklace. It's from a little company called Honcholo. And you can find this and other beautiful D&D accessories. Like what you're wearing. Like my Claude Tiamat <laughs> uh, uh, pendant uh, slash necklace, uh, which is great because it's got a D20 in it uh, with the little claw. Uh, and I love it. And it's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say it's subtle because it's totally not, but it's definitely like a... a, a 
hey, I'm a D and D person, aren't oh, yeah. you? It's like a little. It's like, a conversation wink and a starter. Nod. Like if you saw me walking around with this and you didn't play D and D, you'd be like, "Whoa, what's?" Okay. I'd be like, "That is very beautiful." Is that? Uh, Lovely. Is, yeah, was that uh, Gucci? I was trying to think of like a designer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all I got. Gucci. Is that Gucci? Yeah, but if you did play D&D, you'd be like, ah, thumbs up. Yeah, like we're in the club. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. All right, so go check it out, Hanchelo.com, uh, for the very expensive gift on your list. Is it expensive? It, that one is. That Mine one is? is? Yes. Well, it just went up in price. It just went, went up because it's got Shelly's uh, DNA on it. That's right. I'm D&D DNA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very cool. Um, I can't wait uh, for the holidays to roll around. I bet you can't either. Can't wait. We need to probably edit out uh, uh, in the in the intro when I said it was coming very soon because I assumed that, the tri- that this game was coming out very but soon. But that is soon. I thought he was going to say like five years. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I was thinking it was going to be weeks, but no, I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, sometime in 2018. Weeks, really? When was this announced? You know, you think I should be in, I uh, know things? about this because of being the communications manager and stuff, but I, I, I missed yeah. that communication. I screwed up. You missed that communication. I missed it. I missed it. I'll, I'll follow You can we'll go ahead and just blame me. Emails. Blame it. There shall be blame. Well, I think it's going to be, I say May. Oh, Let's yeah. Let's do a pool. Really? All right. May 2018? We'll have like a Deadpool on like when it's going to come out? All right. Yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, uh, July. Oh, okay. wait, no, January first. One dollar. Because it's hate before that guy. it goes over. <laughs> right. Oh, that's the worst. All right. Well, they better hold to it then. All right. Uh, and we didn't even get a chance to make fun of uh, uh, Philip Daigle and uh, the 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 oh, feud yeah. that he's got with Nathan Stewart. Uh, I, I I it needs to. There needs to be more attention on that. But we'll maybe we'll have Philip on uh, as they get closer to developing. He could. Do a call into Fireside Chat. Exactly. It doesn't have call-ins. Right. And you should check out the uh, uh, Beamdog is doing uh, streaming of their own uh, from their channel on Fridays on their Twitch channel. Uh, I want to say it's 10 a.m. Is that right, Pelham? Or is it 11? No, it is 10. 10 a.m. Pacific time on Fridays. You can watch them. Uh, they'll be doing that throughout the course of their development. So cool. uh, kind of like an open forum to, you know, you can go to their forums. You can do it there uh, or you can do it at, uh, during their streaming. So we'll be hosting that here on this uh, nice. Twitch channel. What a good host you TV are. slash DND. Where can people find out about you, Shelly? Speaking of hosting and, and kind of close this out. Yeah. At Shelly Moo. I had a reason when we were talking last time about why – they should follow me on Twitter. Because you're cool? No. Because you post lots of cool pictures? Of you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. From this very podcast, I mean, that's fact. actually a reason right there, but I can't really remember. You should start posting more pictures of me of now you? that we can see each other much easier through our new cubicle system. Where you can and, like, Trevor's head. Trevor, yeah. Trevor's the only thing between us. <laughs> Trevor's between us this whole time. <laughs> Trevor kid. Uh, yes, you yeah. should do that. And just have his like wisps of hair. I will. The, you know what? I'm just going to do like a daily, well, okay, Monday through Friday, random Greg Tito photo. You're not going to know when. Yeah. Can I pose? I'm no, very good at posing. No, it's going to be candid. Oh, all right. Well, I'll be like picking my nose and stuff. It might be. Actually, if you let me know, I will pick my nose for, okay. the, for the picture. Just to make sure it's in there. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah Post lots of pictures of that. Yeah, so All that's right. why you should follow me on Twitter. At Shelly Moo. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at Greg Tito. I will Tito. be also taking pictures of Shelly and asking her Don't permission you? No. if I can Thank post them you. or not because I'm a good person and I'm kind. I will get your permission. <laughs> you, you have never said no. I couldn't post anything. I would have if I saw the last one you just put up there. What? That was a good one. The blurry drunk face. Oh, well, it's 
Speaking of Drunky Two Shoes, do you know there's a Drunky Two Shoes barbecue in yes, White Center? Is that where you got the name? she's named after. Oh, that you makes sense. You know about that? You saw that? Because uh, well, I was at the roller skating rink, which we talked about oh, earlier. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of Drunky Two Shoes. Yeah. We just left them in Cholt. I blame Bart. Me too. There should be a Bart hashtag. I think he was like, I'm busy with work. And he was like, I Well, can't. to be fair, he showed up to a lot more games than you did. What are you talking about? I was there. Not all the time. I was there for every single session, including the ones where he said, we don't have people to play. You have to go You're going to put this on me? You're going to put this on me? I'm going to put it on the other two people you know, in the group. It's too. Holly. It- <laughs> Blame the VP of HR. Yes, exactly. Can we do that <laughs> on, on, on the live? Is that true? Uh, yep. VP of HR, you're on notice. <laughs> yeah. For not showing up to our D&D game. It's true, because she really wanted to get involved. She did. Yeah. And does. She still does. So. She's a very good druid. She she took to her druidic nature very, very quickly. She took to D&D very quickly. Yeah, I, I agree. So um, we need to do that again. Make it happen. All right. We'll do it. You should run a game. That's it. I'm doing it. All right. Are you? Done. I agree to everything when we're on air and doing a podcast. You heard yes. it, everyone. Craig's I agree. Run a game. I do want to run another game. I, I want to play. It. I miss it. All right, well, we'll do it. We'll make it happen. I want to play. All right. Do you think we're you think we're ready for catchphrase? Yes. Yeah. You think so? Cover right. your ears, everybody. All right. Oh! Rocks fall. Everyone dies. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Woo!